You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. What comfort, what peace we can have. We can settle it in our hearts. John is saying that you can know that you can know. And we see here, it's obedience to God's word. How do I know I'm in him? The proof is, are you obeying him? Are you doing what he has asked you to do? In loving the Lord with all your heart and loving your neighbor. People should be able to see you're a child of God by your love for everyone around you. As you show the people you're surrounded by the love of Jesus, it should point them to God so they can experience the same love from Him that you have. It's what John wanted to make clear in his letter and Pastor Dave to you today. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 John chapter 2 as he continues his message, Know That You Know. He demonstrated compassion. He demonstrated tenderness that God has for mankind. But this was a God that looked nothing like the Pharisees said God looked like. I mean, you look at these things. You look at how compassionate he was. One of the most compassionate scenes in all the Bible for me is the woman with the issue of blood. The woman with the issue of blood who knew if I just touched the hem of his robe, I would be healed. So she fights her way through the crowd. And she grabs his robe, he turns around, he says, who touched me? And the disciples says, what do you mean who touched you? There's people everywhere who didn't touch you. He said, no, virtue went out of me. He looks down and sees this poor woman sitting there. And she must have been frightened all get out. And he looks at her. He says, daughter, how tender, how pure, daughter. She hadn't been talked like that for years, having an issue of blood. She was unclean. She couldn't come near her family. She couldn't be have friends. She couldn't do anything because she was unclean. He didn't look at her and go, get away from me, you unclean thing. He called her daughter and reached his loving hand down upon her. The disciples hadn't experienced a love like that. Many of us have never experienced a love like that. A love so pure, so gentle, so kind, so forgiving. A love when Jesus reaches his hand out to you and calls you by name and tells you that he has redeemed you. The disciples didn't experience that. He repeatedly prefaced all his teachings about love in a way that those who were listening never heard this before. Love my enemies? Love those who persecute me? Turn the other cheek? Give them my cloak? Give them this? Walk a mile when I'm... What? Are you crazy? No. This is what he was talking about. This is what Jesus was talking about. This is unheard of, even in today. And this goes totally against what the world thinks. Because the world is me, 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 me. That's what the world wants. When Jesus presented his followers with this new commandment, it fit with everything else he had done. Oh, so his talk matched his walk. Yes, it did. Exactly. 
Though they didn't understand it at the time, Jesus was telling them that, wait a little while, you'll understand. And that love he poured out upon them now, he wants them to pour out upon us. And he wants us to pour it upon others. Love as he loved. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. Because love casts out all fear. Perfect love, that is. For three years, Jesus showed these guys that love was not dependent upon who was worthy and who was not. If that be the case, none of us would have received it. But when God puts his arms around you, and when he brings you into his own, he embraces your flaws and my flaws. He embraces your weaknesses and my weaknesses. And he embraces your unworthiness and my unworthiness. And he says, I love you. There's no if, and, but, maybe, shoulda, woulda, coulda. Simply, I love you. Jesus demonstrated this unconditional love when after supper he girded himself with a towel, bent down, stooped down, and washed the feet of every single disciple. And if you remember correctly, Judas was sitting right there. This was before Judas left to betray him. He washed Judas's feet. And then he tells the disciples, now you go and do likewise. Jesus was exemplified. 1 Corinthians 13. He exemplified that. Paul understood that. You know, living this kind of love was a new commandment that Jesus gave to everybody who wants to be his disciple. John is now saying, as, as we love God with all our hearts, minds, and strength, and as we love one another the way Jesus has loved us, then we will know that we know him. And more importantly, we will know that he loves us. And that's what he wants us to feel today. That knowledge, that truth of the real life in him. But then John says, but wait a minute. There's a warning. John gives us a warning. He warns against the great deception. Look at verse 4. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Ouch. Bold words from John. You know, go back and look. This is like the third or fourth time he's used the word liar. <laughs> Thinking we know the truth when we really do not is a scary place to be because we begin to deceive ourselves. And this is what the apostle is warning us against, deceiving ourselves. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Sadly, the Lord Jesus spoke about these very people that John was referring to. Many say that they love Jesus, that they know Jesus, but they're deceived in their thinking because thou not do as he commands. I call them posers. They pose to be Christians, but they're really not. They say they love Jesus, but they don't. They're imposters. They're make-believers. They're living a lie. And Jesus had a lot to say about these guys, especially in the Gospel of Luke. In Luke 6, 46, speaking in a parable, he says, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He's like the man building a house who dug a deep and laid foundation on the rock. When the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on a rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately fell and ruin of the house was great. 
He likens that to the man who built things. It's a scary place to be. But it's so true of many people today. Those who are professing to know God. Oh, I know God. But their life is in shambles. Who are they kidding? Who are they fibbing to? Are they lying to themselves? Are they just trying to impress us? I don't know. But they're deceiving themselves because they're not doing as the Lord says. How inconsistent is it for us to call Jesus Lord and yet not obey him? And now he's just giving you a lot of things to consider as far as obedience is concerned. I don't know. In chapter 13, verses 25 through 27, talking another parable, he said, Once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you, where you are from. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you, where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. What's John trying to tell us? What is John trying to tell us through these things? What does he want us to do? I think he wants us to take that mirror and look into it and do some self-examination. He wants us to examine ourselves. Even the Apostle Paul said, when you come to the Lord's table, you need to examine yourself, for if you judge ourselves, we won't be judged of God. And you know, we just slough off some of the Lord's commands, you know, and I don't like that one, that's too hard, I'm not going to do that one. And we pick and choose which ones we like to do. Oh, I like this one, this is my favorite, I'll do that one. But this one, I ain't going to do that one, it's too hard. Love that guy? Can't love that guy. I can love this person because they like me. But what about that guy? He don't like me. Come on. We interpret things the way we want to interpret them. We interpret things that fit our lifestyle or fit our way of thinking. I'm as guilty as the next. But I say I know him. Then I take a look at his commands. And then I at least try to obey them. I don't argue with him. I don't argue with his commands. John says, look at yourself in the mirror. Examine yourselves. Are you loving Jesus with all your heart? Are you following him in obedience to his commands to love one another as he loves? And then John says, here's the proof. Look at verse 5. Here's the proof, he says. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. What comfort peace we can have. We can settle it in our hearts. John is saying that you can know that you can know. And we see here, it's obedience to God's word. How do I know I'm in him? The proof is, are you obeying him? Are you doing what he has asked you to do in loving the Lord with all your heart and loving your neighbor? But Lord, I always come up short. I always fail. I always fall on my nose. Look, it's all scratched up for me hanging on it. John says, praise God. Don't you remember what I told you in verse 2? My little children, in chapter 2, verse 1, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. John knows you're going to fail. John knows you're going to slip up. John knows that you're going to mess up. Why does he know that? Because he's a human being, and he did too. He messed up. But I love it. The same Jesus who commands that we did not follow and did not obey becomes our advocate. 
The very same Jesus who gave us the command to love each other, when I don't, he becomes my advocate. Wait a minute. He is, it's incredible. He intercedes for us, and he's a propitiation for our sins, which means he's already paid the price. He's already paid the price, so I confess, I repent, and I continue to walk in the light. What a great privilege. We don't realize this privilege that we've been given through Jesus Christ. I look at him. I see him as holy. I see him as righteous. I see him as pure. And I desire with all my heart to be like him and to do what he calls me to do. And John says, this is your true heart. This is who you really are. You are a new creation in Christ. Behold, all things are new. This is who you are. Then when you know this, you are his and you are one with him. John's saying, this is the key to knowing that you're in him and he in you. The key to knowing that we're abiding in him is when we desire to obey his commandments. I want to do your will, Lord. I want to do your will. Have you told him that? Have you said, I want to do only your will, Lord? John doesn't stop there. He wants to add something else. He says in verse 6, he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk as he walked. Yo, John, you know you're in him, you know you're abiding in him, so now walk as he walked. That's what John's saying. What does walking mean? When you hear the word walk, walk in the light, walk as he walked, what does that mean? It means it's an outward expression of the inward change in your heart. The best thing somebody can say to you is, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's what I want to be. Something happened in your heart when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Something happened in there. You asked Christ to come into your heart, and guess what? He came into your heart. He filled you with the Holy Spirit. He's there. You're a new creation. So that change has to come out. And that outward expression that you have is as you walk with the Lord. As you walk, walk as he walked. John uses a strange word. He uses the word ought. This indicates some sort of a standard or obligation. But hold up there. Number one, this is not burdensome. And number two, it is not legalistic. This is not a legalistic type thing. This is not a legalistic. The key to loving Jesus with all your heart and your mind and strength. That's what this is. And when you do this, there's an overflow. There's an overflow of the Spirit in your life, and you will walk as He walked because you will love as He loved. If your love for God through Jesus Christ is not the priority of your life, you will not be able to obey this commitment. And that's why He said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength first. And then He said, Love your neighbor as yourself. The cross. I can't do the vertical between me and God. No way can I do the horizontal between me and my fellow man. I've got to have the vertical down first. I cannot walk as Christ walked in my own strength. I need help. I need help to do that. To walk as Christ walked, I must be totally submitted to the Holy Spirit. 
I must be totally relying on the Holy Spirit. This is where the real life is, folks. It's not an imitation life. It's the real life, the new reality of Jesus Christ, the real life. It begins with an open and honest heart before God and before my fellow man. The minute we begin to act apart, the minute we begin to pretend, we step out of the light. If you're in the pretense mode, you're out of the light. You're in the shadow of deception. Be ever so careful, my brothers and sisters. Deception sneaks into your life, and it creeps in so subtly, so unsuspectingly. And before you know it, you've deceived yourself. Sir Walter Scott said, Oh, what a tangle web we weave when first we practice to deceive. We don't want to, but we deceive ourselves. The life that is real cannot be built on deception. Before we can walk in the light, we must know ourselves, accept ourselves, and more importantly, yield ourselves to God through the Holy Spirit. Then by walking in the light of Jesus Christ, in obedience to his commandments, loving one another as he loved us, having fellowship one to another, we have fellowship. The blood of Christ continually cleanses me from my sin. This is the real life, folks. This is what John has been trying to get us to live up to, to walk into. This is the light that he's talking about. This is the real light. Brothers and sisters, my dear friends, my charge to you is stay connected to Jesus Christ, to stay connected to him, continue to walk as he walked, continue to love as he loved. You should never, ever see yourself separated from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. In fact, Paul wrote a beautiful treatise about this. And let me read to you as we conclude here today, verses 35 through 39 in chapter 8 of the book of Romans. Paul writes, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or pearl, or sword? Think of what's happening today, folks. Think what's going on today with all the stuff that's happening to us. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, pearl, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And here's the kicker. Paul says, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Did you hear those words? Did you hear those words? Paul made it as airtight as he possibly could. He put everything he could think of in there. And yet some of us are going to continue to stand there and quiver, thinking God is going to forsake you. Surely God can't love me anymore. You know, he's done with me. I've had it. Putting me by the wayside, sticking me on the shelf, putting a dunce cap on my head. Wait a minute. It says nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. No angel, no principality, power, nothing that has ever been seen before or even the things that will come. Think about it. The things that will come against you. Presence, past, height, depth, anything. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Oh, how we want to be in Christ Jesus to receive that love. 
so that those arms around me will be holding me still, holding me pure, holding me close, telling me how much he loves me. And that's the real life, folks. That's who I really am. And when I understand that life, when I have that life in me, I can walk out and praise Jesus in the crowd in the middle of a Wawa. Tell people about Jesus Christ in the middle of Walmart with my hair and curlers. Tell people about Jesus Christ. Anywhere I go, I can tell people it's Jesus Christ. So they think I'm crazy. I got news for you. Most people I know think I'm crazy anyhow. This is the real life. God's love for me, God's love for you never changes. Did you hear that? God's love for me, God's love for you never changes. He doesn't love me any better when I'm good and any worse when I'm bad. Not that I go out and be bad because of it. Should I sin so grace would abound? Heaven forbid. It's his love that constrains me. It's his love that compels me. It's love that keeps me on the straight and narrow. I know how much he loves me. His love is there and it's constantly. And we are so grateful for that love of God in Christ Jesus today. God, help us to comprehend the heft, the life, the death, the breadth, the length, and all that. To know Christ, to know God. I mean, I love Philippians 3. I just love it. And I could read it so many different times, but the one verse that stands out to me more than anything, when Paul simply says, I want to know him. I want to know him, not having a righteousness of my own, which is from the law, but have a righteousness which is of God by faith. I want to be found in him. All oh, those words are wonderful. This should be on every one of our tongues. It should be what every one of us wants. To know him, to be found in him. Oh, I love it. I love it. You should leave here today knowing that you know. There should be no question. There should be no question about whose child you are. There should be no question of your inheritance. There should be no question of your forgiveness of sin. Now, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There should be no question in your mind. And if there is, please, Get some prayer about that. Get some prayer. Ask somebody to pray with you so you can move forward in this beautiful real life that Christ died to give you. Yes, it's the abundant life, but it's a real life, a real life that you can experience, a real life that you can share, a real life that you can share with others. It's a life that is true, a life that is real, and it's a life that when people see it, others will want. Others will want that life because that life is true, and that's what people are looking for today. They're looking for something that's real, something that they cling into. Because they can't trust the news. You can't trust anything you read on Facebook. For every opinion you get on Facebook, you get 25 other opinions. The only thing I know is that this is true. This is truth. And what comes out of here is truth. Inerrant, infallible truth. And this is where I stake my claim right here. Not in the newspaper, not in any news, including Fox News. I don't care what news. I don't stake my claim in many man. I stake my claim on Jesus Christ. You can be confident that you know him today. And I hope you are. And I hope you're smarter than a fifth grader. That you know that. And you are confident in that. You are assured. 
This has been another edition of A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank. Thanks for tuning in. Sometimes it's helpful to know what your boundaries are, what the acceptable parameters are for living your life. In this book, John made it clear to those he was writing to the differences or contrasts between light and dark, truth versus lies, and Christ versus the Antichrist. These are opposites of one another, because like all of life, there is a constant reminder of good and evil, of sin and righteousness. Throughout God's Word, He provides clues and instructions of what things are good and right. He also gives warning of what's wrong and sinful. So John's writing is a reminder of the boundaries God's put in place for your benefit. This is not any kind of punishment or consequence. On the contrary, it's to give you more freedom and to allow you to live life to the fullest, here on earth and beyond. Is your heart waging war between these things that John has written about? Are you wrestling between loving the world and loving God? If you'd like to talk to someone about the things that you've heard today, please don't hesitate to call us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number, 609-884-5821. Keep looking to Scripture for answers and know that we care about the journey you're on. We're so glad you tuned in to Assure Hope today. Feel free to listen to more messages like this on our website, assurehoperadio.com. Be sure to join us again next time here on Assure Hope. Rescue.